<clears throat> well, praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. I like this. I love church, and uh, our, our church has two services, but you, you got me started last night on Saturday church. I kind of like that. I think we should just have church every day. Anybody else for it? I mean, I like, I like when the body comes together. I, I don't expect the kids to. I remember, I remember feeling like church was that, that, that duty that we had to do, you know. Oh, we're going to go to church. But the older I get, the more I realize the best things in my life have happened with the family of God. And uh, the, the, the things that have gotten so messed up in my life has been when I didn't uh, get around the, the wise family of God and, and open the word of God and, and believe and put into place the truth of God. And so uh, I'm glad that you're here. I, I love the Bible. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to kind of look at this and study it a little bit, give you a couple points here out of this passage. But uh, this is, uh, the title of the message is Why Church? And we're going to go to the Bible for the answer, but we're going to be real this morning. I don't know if you're in the habit of being real at church. Uh, do y'all's hands work? I, uh, raise your hand. Not so much. That's always tough because I feel I'm one of those guys that I ask questions and some people go to church assume every question's rhetorical. But actually, I, I sometimes want you to raise your hand. So, so stretch out a little bit. Maybe I'll ask a question. Maybe I don't. If I do, you know, respond. If not, that's okay. But I'm glad you're at God's house. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I got to tell you a little bit of my story while you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, about uh, almost 10 years ago at our church there in North Carolina that, that, that I pastor now, I was not the pastor at the time. And uh, we went through a really tough season. Uh, on, a, on a Sunday, our pastor went, in, we went into a brand new building. It was our first service in the new auditorium. And he preached Sunday morning and resigned Monday morning. And he had to resign. There were some, some issues there. And so we, as a church, went from, honestly, mountaintop building campaign, still a building to pay for that we were in, to all of a sudden our pastor was gone. There was a vacuum in leadership, and, and nature pours a vacuum, right? So all kinds of things started happening, and we learned some things about uh, ourselves. And to God be the glory, I, I tell you this, it was a glorious breaking. I don't know if that makes any sense to you right now, but I'll tell you this, that sometimes some of the salvation was brought to you by a glorious breaking we just sang about, the Savior on the cross. That, there was some hopeless moments those disciples were pretty hopeless in that journey. And so we went through a glorious breaking, and God now, 10 years later, the church is experiencing days like it's never seen before. We're thriving. We're growing. We just purchased a 116,000-square-foot building. If you don't know square feet, that's big. And, uh, man, it's, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I stand in that building, and, and I look at it. It's just kind of it's, it's a factory it's just an open concrete floor, a blank slate for God to do amazing things. And we're doing phase one upfit right now. And man, I'm telling you, as a pastor, I'm like, you better got this. <laughs> You've got this, God. This is, and I tell our church all the time, if your head is me as a pastor, if your head is the elder board, if your head is the pastors, the, the, there's a real problem at, at Nebo Crossing. And I'll say this very boldly to you with elders in the room and pastors in the room. If the head of this church is man, find another church. Because it's not God's church. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 4 who the head of the church is. And the good news is God hasn't bitten his first fingernail yet in nervousness. Now me? <laughs> 
I get nervous, man, as a pastor. I feel pressure. There's a weird pressure in the 21st century that, that is put on the church. And I'm going to help you. Uh, verse 11 of this passage says, says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And then it goes on. Now, I already met with them. I met with them Friday. I got some more meetings this week. I'm trying to minister to, to your ministers, or, or I should say it this way, I minister to your pastors. Today, I want to minister to your ministers. And you might not know it, but you're the ministers of this church. And if you're not, this isn't his church. It's got to be his church, and we've got to get it right. And it's time for you to just say, okay, Lord, you might be thinking, man, Bob, thanks for coming, but why don't you go out there on the beach where people are hanging out right now and preach why church and tell them to get in here because they ought to be in here with us. I know who I'm talking to. I'm preaching why church to the people that better know it. Because if you don't know why we're in here today, uh, you won't be ready to go out there tomorrow. And today is very important. Today is not church. I know that goes against everything you've ever been taught. But the church is supposed to happen out there. This is the equipping room. If we were a basketball team, this would be the locker room. If, if, If we were athletes, this would be the weight room. And so I'm going to read it to you just so you know I'm not coming up with this. It's God's word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 goes on. After all those titled positions, what are all the titled positions for? Verse 12 tells us to equip the saints. That's you. Either you're a saint or you ain't. (laughs) How many of you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Then this verse is about you. You're a saint. You're a child of God. And all the, the, the titled positions of pastor, preacher, teacher, evangelist, all they're all for one purpose, and that's to equip you, to equip the saints for what? For the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you know we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to Christ? The Bible says when you compare yourselves amongst yourselves, you're not wise. When you, when you hear one pastor preach and another pastor preach and you're comparing the pastors, that's not wise. Forget the pastor, forget the speaker, forget the worship team, forget the singer. We, we, we have got to see Jesus. And we've got to see the gap. Uh, anybody ever been over to uh, Great Britain? When you get on and off the subway, what's it say? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. We need to mind the gap. We need to realize that here's Jesus and here's us, and that gap needs to be reconciled in Christ. We need to mind the gap. And what we don't like is the, the, the vastness of that gap. So what we do is we find someone else to compare ourselves to that's not such a gap, and we go, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. You know what I hate doing? I'm 41 years old. I hate comparing myself to those 20-year-olds. <laughs> well, there was a day. Let me tell you, it was a good day. There was a day I was, I was the man. Anybody else still talking about that day? You know what I like to do? I like to find other 40-year-olds, preferably ones that weren't athletes even in high school. That really makes me look good. I, 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 I don't like minding the gap sometimes because you know what? Everybody likes to just fit in and not be challenged, not be pushed, not be cut on. And God says, now nah, listen, I'm the measure. And how many of you know we all fall short of the glory of God? 
Uh, hey, let's do something. Let's look at someone else and say, you fall short, but that's okay. Would you do that? Isn't it fun to tell someone else? You fall short, but that's okay. Now, wait, 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 wait. That was easy. Now I want you to look at them and say, I fall short. That was a little harder, wasn't it? Some of you, you were great on the first one. The second one, you're like, uh, I'm the bar by which everything is measured, moi, right? Okay, so we've got this pride problem, but that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to measure ourselves to Christ. Look at verse 14. Why? So that we may no longer be children. Any children in the room? I'm sorry, but I'm telling you. The definition of child is, is immature. That's the definition. It's, it's, it's immature. Now, sadly, there's some 40-year-old children, right? <laughs> Anybody else ever met one? Uh, maturity doesn't come with aging. It comes with maturing, right? And so we want to not just, I've been in church for 20 years and it's still all about me. I found the church I like. They sing the songs I like. They preach the messages I like. And if they ever don't do what I like, I'll leave when I like. <laughs> if that's you, I'm here to challenge your whole reason of coming to church and say this, you ought to come to church so that you can grow out of that childish immaturity that, you, that we all have. We all have it, Okay so that we may no longer be children, and here's why, here's what happens to children. We get tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness of deceitful schemes. Anybody ever walk up to a child and, and take your thumb off, you know? They're like, what the what? You go up to an adult and do, hey, check it out. They're like, dude, stop. It's not, what are you doing, Right? Sometimes, the, everybody like dad jokes? Yeah. Love me some dad jokes. Let me tell you a good definition of a dad joke. When a dad joke is told property, the children moan, the wife gives a courtesy laugh, and the dad belly laughs because it's hilarious. That's, that's a definition of a dad joke. I am great at dad jokes. My kids hate it. My wife sometimes does the courtesy and laughs, and I just belly laugh. I love dad. Do you, you want to? Oh, no, we don't have time. You, oh, I heard a sure. I'm always ready. Did you hear about the two antennas? Did you hear about the two antennas that got married? The wedding wasn't that great, but the reception was incredible. <laughs> you guys like dad jokes. I didn't hear one moan. I mean, that's a dad joke right there. That's when your kids are like, oh. All right. Look, here's what we got to do. We got to know that some people have a plan that's not God's. And many times they mean well by it. And they come to church in prideful arrogance. They come to church sometimes in wanting to see church done a certain way. And I'm telling you, church isn't done in here. It's done out there. This is the ready room. This is the equipping room. And the pastors and the elders of this church, if they're going to follow the biblical plan, it's not going to be them doing the ministry. It's going to be you. This gets messed up in a lot of churches. I'll be honest with you. We had a church that we paid people to do what we don't want to do. And that's a very dangerous place as Americans to live. Y'all do that around here? Like if you don't want to mow your grass, you pay someone to do it. If you don't want to clean your house, you pay someone else to do it. And if you don't want to uh, you know, do whatever, wash your car, you pull up and pay someone else to do it. And we do church the same way. We don't want to minister. So we come to church and pay the staff to do it. And I have no problem with you paying someone to clean your house. I have no problem with you. But let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, God is not going to give out well-dones 
for paying someone else to do what you're supposed to do. And as a pastor, I want the, the flock, the church, the body to hear well done. And I'm afraid we're going to go, well, I tried to do well. I paid that guy and he messed up and I paid that guy and he didn't do it the way I thought he should. But Lord, you know my heart. I tried. And God's going to go, I never called you to pay someone else to do it for you. I called you to be a minister yourself. Man, what do we do? What about these deceitful schemes? Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. This is what we're supposed to do. Speak the truth in love. I'll get to that in a minute. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's not an elder. It's not a pastor. It's dead sure not a guest speaker. I'm not the head of my church back home. My heart is grieving this one. I don't leave our church. I'm like, I'm a fish out of water right now. That was a a Florida analogy. I'm from from the mountains of North Carolina. I'm a redneck in training. I'm becoming one. I grew up on 22nd Street in downtown Louisville, a million plus people. I was a a ghetto street rat. My next door neighbor was the biggest drug dealer in town. And I was the good little church boy that went to church every day. And he dared people to give me drugs. He was going to hurt them because Bob's going to make it out of here one day. And somehow I've never touched drugs, never touched alcohol, living right in the middle of all of it. And now I'm in North Carolina. In the mountains of North Carolina, I'm a, I'm a redneck in training. I got me a Jeep. I jacked it up. I, I get in my Jeep like this. I'm trying to, hey, you're supposed to smell like the sheep if you're a good shepherd, and they all have them, so I got me one. And uh, so I, I throw my wife up in it. It's great. We go have a good time. And, and uh, I, I, hey, I'm trying to understand the culture. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our culture, but I'm telling you, I'm liking salt life a little bit. It's kind of nice. Uh, we're lake life. We are in the lakes and the mountains, and so salt life is good. In small doses, I can handle this, and I, I got this. It's hot out there, but I, I'm good. I'm good. Here's what we need to do as a church. We need to understand that the head is not a guest. The head is not an elder. The head is not a pastor. The head is Christ. Amen? Amen. Fight for that. Live for that. Pray for that. He must increase we must in- decrease. Let God be true in every man a liar. That's what your Bible says if you'll read it. God is the head. And here's what it says. Hey, speak the truth in love. Speak it in love. Grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16, and I'll, I'll finish here and we'll jump into some points. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, somebody say body. Do you know this is a church body? That's a good thing. From whom the whole church, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. This implies that it's possible that a church has parts that don't work properly. Do you see how Scripture is giving, giving a, if it's working properly, my prayer Here's why I'm here. I don't leave our church. Chantha asked me to consider coming down on a Sunday morning and preach to your church. I said, no. Don't leave my church. I'll come down and do anything you need. I don't, I don't miss a Sunday. If I miss a Sunday, it's for my family vacation, and that's it. In fact, in the last 10 years, no one's ever preached in our church while I've been in town except one person. His name's Chantha Chim, and he reminded me of that. <laughs> and he, I, was, I was a firm no. Then he told me your story. 
and he told me kind of what you're going through as a church. And I said, okay, I want to come and be an encouragement to you. And here's what I want to say. God's got this. Do you hear me? You hear me? The head is good and well. And it ought be well with your soul. Unless we're not going to work correctly. I want to show you why we do church. It's so that we can obey God and be the right part. It says in this passage, when each part is working properly, here's what happened. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And let me tell you something about love. God is love. Apart from God, you cannot know love. I'm here to tell you, the world has tried to figure this out. Someone wrote a song once, what's love got to do with it? Got to do, got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? And I'm telling you right now, they're wrong. Love is not a secondhand emotion. God is love. And right now in the church, there's a lot of secondhand emotions going on. And I want you to know it has not touched love's desk yet. God is not biting his fingernails. God is not popping, uh, 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 what do they call that? Uh, nerve pills. He's not popping nerve pills. He's not, ner- he's, he's not drinking uh, 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 calcium shakes and things for his heartburn. God's not nervous. God's got this. And he looks at Vero Beach and he looks at Pathway Church and he says, hey, I've got a way and I've got a path. And this word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And if you'll follow my word, your way will be clear. And I'm here to just to tell you, hey, circle the wagons real quick. This is, this is the equipment room. This is locker room. Let me give you a locker room speech. God's got this. Now get out there and win the game. Quit. Don't worry. God's got this. Here's what we need to do. Let me tell you how to give this to God. First of all, what do we do? What to do in church? Some people come to church for all the wrong reasons. There's an incredible pressure here in the 21st century for consumer church. And it is a trap I have fallen in. No doubt some pastors at this church have fallen into it. No doubt some elders here have fallen into it. And that is this, trying to give the people what they want. That is a dangerous, dangerous thing because naturally, how many of you know we are fallen men? That means naturally we don't want this word. So if I'm given what I want, most of the time it's not God's way. So what I have to actually be given is what I don't want. Now, how many of you know in consumer church, when you're trying to put butts in pews, amen, you're trying to get people in the door, you try to attract people by giving them what they want. Come on down to Bob's used car lot. We're going to give you what, oh, everything you want. No, he's going to sell you a car he wants to sell you, but he's got to get you there first. So they're going to give you a free TV. They're going to give you this much money off. They're going to try. And the church has learned from the world how to market. And Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Can I tell you what your marketing plan ought to be? Lift up Jesus. That's it. Just lift him up. Let me tell you how to do it, what to do. Verse 12, here's what the pastors are to do to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, 
for building up, edifying the body of Christ. So first of all, perfecting or maturing the saints. I wanna tell you something. Let me bring you something from the mountains of North Carolina. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little redneck training here. How many of you know how to whittle? Oh, good. It's gonna be a good day for you. Whittling is picking up a block of wood or a stick. And I think you need a rocking chair. I'm not sure of that part, but I'm pretty sure you need a rocking chair. And if you don't chew tobacco, just stick your tongue in your lip. Just do that. Okay. And you take that block of wood and you say something like this. I think you was your dad right down there. And you just start talking like, it's kind of like a, a chainsaw. And you do that. I'm learning. It's something like that. And, and while you're running your mouth like a chainsaw, you just start carving on that stick. I'm going to tell you how to whittle a duck. How many want to know how to whittle a duck? You want to know this. Believe me, I'm going to help you. I didn't know this. You get a stick or a piece of wood, and if you want to whittle a duck, you cut off everything that doesn't look like a duck. That's whittling. How many of you like to know how to whittle a bear? You're going to, I think I need to give you one more, and you're probably going to get it. You take that block of wood and you cut off everything that doesn't look like a bear. That's how you whittle a bear. It's gene. I mean, you could only be in the mountains and come up with this plan. Let me tell you something. You know how you're going to become an equipped saint? You're going to sit somewhere and you're going to cut off everything that doesn't look like a saint. That's it. We've made church so hard. Someone said once, what would Jesus do? That's called whittling. If he be lifted up and he draws all of us to him, and if we would imitate him, we would be like him and we would be changed. But what we've done is we've come up with a very complex way to whittle a duck. And the sad thing is at the end of much programs and much ministry, there's no ducks. And we don't know what went wrong. And I'm telling you right now, we've got to get God back as the head in all of our churches. And we've got to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, let me tell you something. I, I stood up at our church, and, and we changed our church name from Eastside Baptist Church to Nebo Crossing. Chantha was talking about that. And, and when we did that, we did something else. I brought all the staff up on the, on the stage, and I looked at the congregation. And I said, I want you to know that starting today, January, I think it was January 1, 2012, we are all resigning the ministry. And the church was like, what? I said, yes, we are resigning the ministry. We have been studying the Bible and we've made a grave mistake. We have been trying to give you a good judgment seat by doing ministry for you, thereby ripping you off when you get to stand before the king. And we're not gonna do it anymore. So you can now call us the administers, A-D-D-M-I-N-I-S-T-E-R-S. We are going to add to the ministers. You're the ministers of Christ. How can we help you be ministers? It has changed our church from stem to stern. We are completely different. Over 79 ministries have been started in our church, and I didn't think of one of them. 
They came out of the hearts of the people that had a passion to serve. And all we said is, what do you want to do? One lady got a burden. She spent so many weeks in the ICU with a family member. She got a burden for an ICU ministry. And she came and talked to us and we met with her. And there's a group of ladies. They put together these go bags and they take rolls of quarters. I'd have never thought of that. But vending machines need quarters and you live off vending machines when you're in the ICU waiting for someone. They put toothpaste and toothbrushes in there. They put blankets, because I didn't know this, but hospitals stay incredibly cold. And they, they just took care of these people. That No one gets ready to go to the ICU. Most of the time, it's from the emergency room up to ICU intensively. And man, I'm telling you, they, if a cup of cold water is ministry in Jesus' name, how many of you know a roll of quarters is like, wow. That, that's where you get to buy the flavored stuff. That's good instead of the drinking fountain. As kids understand that. Ministry is anything that you feel called to do, and the church should come alongside and help you do that. You're the ministers. Do the work of the ministry. Can you imagine? Uh, anybody in here lift weights? Yeah. They just went. <laughs> Can I tell you what I know none of you thought when I walked up here? He must lift weights. It didn't happen. No one thought it. I, I'm not mad at you. It's okay. I have a very mature body. It just hasn't done its maturing in a weight room. It's done its maturing in some really good restaurants, and so I'm answering to God for that. Somebody, somebody pointed out to me the, the BMI, the body mass index, so I Googled it the other day. I'm, an, I'm in borderline depression right now. The, I don't know who came up with this index. They clearly don't know what they're talking about, but one pound ago, I became obese. Literally, it's said it. I, I, my goal right now in life, I want to do it before I get back home. I got to lose two pounds. If I can lose two pounds, then I'm just unhealthy. But I'm not obese. I'm depressed about that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, the Lord has had to help me the past. Uh, curse Google. And why did I look at that? I, I never dreamed I was obese. And, and lo and behold, I am. If you work out, if you, are, if you go to the gym, can you imagine... Going to the gym and doing all that work, and then afterwards, no one knows you work out. Like, you have to tell everybody, oh, I worked out today. Oh, I worked out today. You expect your body to mature to what you've put into it so that no one asks. And here's what's funny. How many of your friends would be shocked you go to church? A lot of people go to church like this. Can you imagine me going into the gym, buying a membership, and walking around and watching other people lift weights? Man, you, you got this. <laughs> Curl it. Man, that's good. You imagine me walking over to the bench press and going, come on, you got this, man, go. Woo! And then go home, my wife says, hey, how'd it go to the gym? They're like, great. I talked to 18 people. I drank four protein shakes, and I got a juicer at the little bar over there. It was wonderful. And uh, she said, well, how much did you lift? Oh, I didn't lift anything. I just went to gym. That's how people go to church. They go to church, and they criticize. Can you imagine me in there going, oh, is that all you're going to lift? <laughs> Bless it. Look at it. Working. Are, are you sweating? People come to church and literally criticize the worshipers. They literally will come to me and say, Pastor, the youth director got my order wrong. 
I clearly ordered pickles. Is there some sort of a refund on my offering? It's consumerism has come into the church, and and it blows me away. I don't know if that happens here, but I kind of, I go like this. I I give them the RCA dog look. I'm sorry, did you think that I was paid to be a minister on your account? That's not how it works. Can I I read to you the, the back of my business card? This is my heart. I I had this business card made like eight years ago. It says this, to hear my Savior say well done to me would be great. But to hear him say well done to those I've pastored, now that's a goal worth living for. Every member a minister. I believe it from, it, it is our philosophy of ministry. I hope one day when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I get to stand over to the side with my staff and and my other pastors and my elders, and we get to hear church member after church member after church member's name called, and they stand before God, and he says, well done. And I'll tell you this, as a pastor, I don't think I'll ever hear a well done if the people that called me pastor don't hear well done. Because my job is to equip the body to be the ministers, not to pay the ministers. And man, this church, you are at a glorious breaking moment. And you have a very bright future because your head is awesome. Your head walked out of the grave like we just sang about. Your, Your head has all the power of all the universe. Your head is Jesus Christ. And you have nothing to be nervous about unless you're not gonna do your part right. And he, I'm gonna ask you to come to church next week differently than you may have come this week. Don't come to see the gym. Come to work out at the gym. My wife's not in here this morning. I'm gonna brag on her a little bit. She asked your worship leader yesterday, what songs, I heard her asking, what songs are you doing in worship? She goes, I wanna make sure I know them. See, at our church, you don't wanna come not ready to get in. Here's what she, let me put it in gym talk. What's gonna be the workout routine tomorrow? because I'm going to make sure I know how to do it. She actually downloaded some songs to study and be ready to worship God like he deserves this morning. By the way, she leads worship at our church, so she kind of gets it. But she wanted to, she didn't want to just be here bumbling along into the song that she might not know. She wanted to let God know from, from Jump Street that he is everything. Man, I got to say, proud moment as a pastor, prouder moment as a husband to say she gets it. I'm telling you right now, we are to perfect the saints. We are to do the work of the ministry. We are to edify the body of Christ. There's some pride that happens in church and most of the time it starts with guys like me that have a title and we become the face of the church and the brain of the church. And last I checked, the face and the brain are all part of the head. And it's a very dangerous thing. I wanna warn every elder and every pastor in this room right now, Be very careful. If you have an agenda and you've got a face that you think, you better be careful because God will have no other gods before him. And and ejection looks like this. Boop. I tell our church all the time, you better keep me in the right perspective. I am a wicked sinner, but for the grace of God, I don't deserve to even be here, much less standing up here with a microphone strapped to my head. God is the head of our church and he's the head of this church if it's his church. 
edify the body of Christ. Now, why do we do church? Why do we do it? Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're supposed to compare ourselves to Jesus Christ. How you doing? Man, we like to compare ourselves against other people, don't we? Jesus Christ, that mind the gap. That's a big gap. Hey, let me tell you something. Doing church isn't the goal. It's what happens to you while you do it. Think about this. Jesus Christ said in the scripture, take my yoke upon you because I can't lift it anymore. That's not what he said. Take my yoke upon you because it's getting kind of heavy and I need your help. That's not what he said. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's like when my son helps me work on the car. He actually slows me down. But it's a glorious union. And guess what? He's learning work ethic. The pastors and the elders of this church, be patient with them. They're like kids working with the Father, and it's going to sometimes slow things down. I didn't just say anything disrespectful. I said something factual. And at my church, I get in the way sometimes. Me and my wife went to a conference. It was uh, at uh, the Passion Conference, 55,000 Christians in the uh, Georgia Dome. It was incredible. And we, anybody ever been to the Passion Conference? We're at the Passion Conference. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, this place, it works like clockwork. I mean, worship teams watch them. They don't miss a cue. Everything goes right. The sound system, the lights, they've just got it nailed. And all of a sudden, in this midday session, they were clearly having technical difficulties. Louis Giglio, the pastor and host of the conference, actually walked out on the stage. There's this de- there hasn't been one second of dead air for two days straight. And all of a sudden, there's this awkward silence. And he walks out, and he's tapping the mic. He goes, I want to apologize. 55,000 people in the Georgia Dome. I want to apologize. We're having some technical difficulties. I was sitting in the crowd and someone in front of me was like, I can't believe all we paid for this conference and they, they can't get it together. And I was kind of like, I actually was feeling pretty good. I'm like, yeah, we have those at our church. Yes. <laughs> Guess what happened next? The screen behind them did a couple things and there was an astronaut in space on the space station talking live to Louis Giglio on the platform. His lips were synchronized. They carried on a conversation and he gave us a devotional challenge from space. (laughs) The guy in front of me that was so critical about the error was just like, here's the thing. That was so big and so incredible. No one minded the technical difficulties. Don't get hung up on the technical difficulties. God's doing something big here. It's been been 75 years in the making. God's got this. Don't be that guy. I tell you what, 75 years, you'd think they'd know what they're doing around. There's someone in heaven that we're trying to hear perfectly in tune to the vision of this church. Snip it! (laughs) Tweet that! We just talked to an astronaut in space! I learned so much in that moment, and I want to say to this church, 
You have got to understand it isn't about a man. It's not about a leader. It's not about an elder. It's not about a pastor. It's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're still talking about him 2,000 years later. His message is unbelievable. It's time for the church to say, let's let him be God and let's do our part right. Let's show up ready to worship him. And let's go to work tomorrow and tell somebody about King Jesus. Because if you wait for your staff to tell the people they go to work with, they're all already saved. They work here. That's your job. How do we do this? I got to tell you how we do it. This is my final point. I'll be done. Here's how we do it. It's so easy. Verse 15 says, rather, rather than all the winds of doctrine, there was a wind warning in there I don't have time to tell you about. I'm having so much fun with you. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. Have you ever been in a church that speaks the truth and they didn't know there was like more words to that verse? It's like reverse Oprah, right? You remember Oprah? You get a car, you get a car. You... Here's, here's, here's the truth, church, Oprah style. You get right with God and you get right with God and you get right with God. And, and the implication the entire time is, I'm right with God, you get there too. Oh, man. Can I give you a better way? God's way. Speak the truth in love. Let me show you the difference. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had it all jacked up. Bless their hearts. They, they literally found a woman caught in the very act of adultery. They dragged her in. They all started bending down and picking up rocks. Somebody said, let me drop the truth bomb today. Adulteress. The book says she deserves to die. Kill her. And Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a thought here. We're going to do that. We're going to go ahead and kill her. But I want the one without sin to be the first one to cast the stone. A crazy thing happened. They all ran off and tweeted or something. I don't know, but they, they left. All you heard was stones hitting the ground and people going, oh, my wife uh, wanted me to pick up some milk. I got to... All of a sudden, it's this woman and the Savior. And he looks at her and he's like, hey, uh, woman. That's what he called her. Where are thine accusers? She says, they're gone. He said, neither do I condemn thee. By the way, Jesus was the only one that had a right to throw a stone. He was the only one that hadn't sinned. And he didn't even reach for a stone. Don't tell me God led you to bash somebody with a stone. He doesn't do it himself, and he's allowed to. He bent over. Go. And sin no more. Truth with love. Has your truth been colliding with the Savior lately? Or are you pretty sure how consumerism in the church is supposed to go and this church ain't cutting it? Oh, repent today. Come to an altar today. I want to ask Chanta to come to the platform. And I'm telling you right now, God's got this. That's all you need to know. High and lifted up King Jesus. He's not nervous. He says to you today at Pathway Church, you take this book, 
You take this truth, you mix it up with a big old glass of love, and drink ye all of it. The truth without any mixture of error and love. And you start pouring it out on this community. And I'm going to tell you what, when he, can I, can I show you the last verse real quick? And Shanta, you got this? The last verse, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, here's what's going to happen. I don't care what your church, they could change it five more times. If you'll do this, here's what's going to happen. The body will grow so that it builds itself up, not by marketing, not by bylaws and new rules, by love. That's what's going to do it. Jonathan. Into our feet, shall we? The worship team is behind me. We're going to sing a song. It says, come to the altar. That requires a response from God's people, God's church, Pathway Church. You are the church. Are you broken and hurting within? Yes. We're broken people. And it's time for God's people to say, God, we want to be the church. We want you to be the head of this church, because you are. We've had some amazing responses to the Word of God as being taught and preached from this pulpit. I'm going to ask you to respond as the worship team sings. To your left, or my left, is an altar where you can come and you can pray by yourself. On this side of the auditorium, we have prayer partners where you can pray with someone. We'll walk with you through your hurts and pray with you. But God's people should respond. Your response should be yes. So come, come to the altar and let God work in our church today. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The 
comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit would help us to lay those things down at your feet. Leave them. Just leave them. Our woundedness, our hurt, our pain, our confusion, our shame, our guilt, fear, we lay it down because you are God and you are able and you are big enough and you are strong enough and we trust you. We don't trust man. We trust you. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of healing and reconciliation and deliverance you do in our lives. Thank you for the, your redemptive work, Jesus. Thank you that we can't fix ourselves. Thank you that we can't fix this church. Thank you that we can't fix our families. Thank you that we can't get healthy. trust you at this moment and even as the service quote unquote ends we're going to continue talking and praying and fellowshipping and encouraging one another and edify your body Lord edify us minister to us Lord. love you it's in Jesus name Love you, church.